Okay, you can hear me now. Thank you very much, uh, certainly from both Chris and myself, and certainly it's been, uh, I, I don't consider, uh, I don't know, for some reason, I, I've always, uh, when we were, uh, when I was in seminary, um, I was going to school in um, Indiana, and uh, Warsaw, Indiana, at the Grace Seminary, and uh, <clears throat> me and uh, several other guys would drive to Chicago every Sunday, and it was about a three-hour trip up, and then we would come back at night. So we'd get back maybe 9, 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night. And so all my life, we've always driven a long distance to church. And so it's either been a, it's either been a, half, uh, a half hour or to anywhere from a half hour to an hour and a half. So I guess, you know, when I think about an hour and 15 minutes, I said, well, that's not too bad. Now, it's only bad if you get a lot of snow. Now, in Michigan, an hour and a half, you know, if you get, the, they get, you know, a foot and two feet of snow, then it's a little bit different. <laughs> but uh, certainly, it's, uh, it's been a blessing coming and, and just sharing the word with you and, and certainly thankful for just what God, uh, you know, God uh, doesn't look at the numbers. He looks at the hearts, doesn't he? And, you know, and that's important because of the prayers of God's people um, you know, God, there's a book of remembrance that says in Malachi, right before, you know, there's 400 years of silence before Jesus comes. But there, right in Malachi, it says that God wrote a book of remembrance of those who encouraged each other in the Lord. And that's what, you know, that's what we do because uh, we look around and we look at how society is moving. Uh, we see darkness. We see uh, insanity, really, insanity. Uh, we see uh, immorality being praised uh, and even being taught to our kids as a, a normal. And, uh, and all of those things, uh, it gets frightening. If you didn't know that God was in control, you would want to just bury yourself under a rock somewhere and just say, I'll come out whenever <laughs> Jesus comes. Well, we know he's reigning. And we also know that all of this uh, craziness is a part of people re recognizing their need. And I think what they need is the gospel. And, uh, and that's why uh, we come, because we just, uh, you know, it's a, it's a blessing just to open God's word to study together. And, uh, and that's a blessing for us this morning to just be able to be here. For, for us, it's a privilege. So thank you for allowing us to do it. Uh, and I consider this just, uh, I mean, I can't imagine anything else I want to rather do than to uh, worship together with God's people. And you are God's people. And uh, we enjoy uh, the blessings together. We're going to talk about uh, uh, a person who doesn't get a whole lot of publicity. Um, you know, we, we, uh, when you do the Christmas story, how many of us have, uh, when you were little, a lot of us, we were in plays, right? Christmas plays. And how many of, now I'm not going to ask the guys how many played Mary because, I mean, I hope you didn't. But uh, most, most young ladies would want to be Mary, right? Because they, they, you know, well, hey, that's the special one. She gets, the, you know, there's the baby and everything. And then, you know, I remember wanting to be a wise guy or wise man. And uh, that was kind of cool. Or Shepherd, you know, because you know, had a few parts. But I think the, the one person that nobody wanted to be is Joseph because he doesn't say anything. He just stands there. He doesn't have a whole lot to say. And, and as you read the accounts of Christmas, you really don't get a whole lot except for in the book of Matthew, we kind of get Joseph's version of the Christmas story. And I thought we would just, just talk about that before we, get, we see the birth of Jesus next week in Luke 2. So I thought, well, you know, we left Mary singing 
And we left, and now we come to Joseph, and he's kind of scratching his head, says, what's going on? Uh, my wife-to-be is pregnant, and there's something going on here. I mean, you can imagine. He, he's in shell shock. He's just gotten the news that uh, it says that he finds out that Mary is pregnant. Uh, and I don't know when, and we're going to look at that this morning, because uh, this is Joseph's account of the virgin birth. And, uh, and, and what's interesting about Matthew chapter 1 is that uh, Matthew spends a whole lot of time, he spends 17 verses talking about the genealogy of uh, Joseph. And you kind of go, uh, Abraham, he starts with Abraham, and he goes from Abraham to David, and from David he goes to the Babylonian captivity, and from Babylonian captivity he says these are the descendants uh, that are in the, that, then you have Joseph. As, uh, and so you see uh, 14 generations, three, uh, he kind of puts them in segments. There's Abraham to David, 14 generations, and then you get David to uh, the captivity, 14 generations, and then you get another 14 generations. That's 42 generations, and I figure that's quite a lot, that's a lot of time, isn't it? 40 years was a generation, so, uh, so there's, there's uh, 32 generations there, um, or 42, what did I say? 42 generations uh, that, that, that compose uh, the genealogy of Jesus. And it's really important because if somebody claims to be king, you know, a descended from David, they had to have their genealogy proven. And what's interesting is that after the fall of Jerusalem, Jesus is only the, the last legitimate claim to the throne because all of those records got wiped out. They're lost. They got burned. Where, whatever, they got destroyed. There are no genealogical records now that would... And so Jesus' uh, Jesus's birth is important to tie it back to, um, uh, to the um, genealogy of uh, Abraham and to, uh, and to David here. And what's interesting in this account is that when you read the genealogy before... Uh, the, we talk about the birth of Christ. He only gives one verse to talk about the genealogy of Jesus as it relates to his father, God himself, right? He only gives in verse four, eight, 18, he says, now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. And so he's, 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 showing, a, he's showing, okay, compared to the, you know, the physical descent of Jesus, uh, through David, who was his legal father, not his, legit, not his physical father. Uh, but the kingship came through the Davidic line there. It says, when, this, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to dissolve her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Isn't that uh, a beautiful um, ending uh, to and showing Joseph's obedience? So let's pray. Father, as we come to your word, it's so wonderful to, 
to read this account and to reflect on what must have been going through the mind of Joseph at this point in his life as he uh, was betrothed to Mary and uh, look forward to uh, the consummation of their marriage. And uh, Lord, as he's contemplating the the news that he heard, uh, how that must have uh, turned his world upside down at that time. And yet, Lord, you were doing something tremendous, something wonderful, something great. And uh, we kind of get a a preview of that, uh, even reading the genealogy of Jesus, uh, Father, going back uh, through Joseph, uh, through David, through Abraham. And so, Father, we ask this morning that you would just uh, help us to, to grow in our appreciation of what Christmas really means. And uh, I would ask that you would minister to each need here today. And those traveling, Lord, give them safety. Uh, those who are sick and struggling with uh, difficulties, Lord, uh, certainly uh, we ask, Lord, for your healing hand and for your, your help and assistance through these times. And we ask that you would be with us in a special way this morning as we worship together and as we hear your word. Father, uh, give us a greater appreciation of what Christmas is all about. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. So I didn't ask any of the guys uh, how many of us ever played Joseph. I got to play Joseph one time. I only wanted to play him because he didn't have any part to say. Because I was nervous. I didn't like speaking in front of people. So that's why I'm a preacher, I guess. <laughs> the Lord, you know, this is, a, this is actually a lot of faith because I, that was the last thing I ever wanted to do in my life. I, um, I heard my dad preaching and I thought, there's no way I want to be a preacher. Um, but anyway, but uh, what's wonderful about this, uh, this account of Joseph as you read this is the genealogy and you, you read the genealogy and you know that God's up to something because you notice in his genealogy, there's four people, four women in his genealogy. Now that was uncommon back then. You always put the men in the genealogy, but you have four women that are included in this genealogy and they're four women that are outsiders. I mean, they're, they're, they're out, I don't want to say outsiders, they're kind of outcasts because the women that he mentions here, you remember uh, the first one he mentions here is Tamar. You remember Tamar was married to one of Judah's sons and his son died and then another son died and then he says, well, I'll give you my youngest son and she waited around for that and he didn't give her and then she played the prostitute and Ju Judah bore a son through Tamar and you go like, wait there, that's... God doing something, what, what's God doing? And then you, get, you go on through the story and you see that uh, later on that uh, Salmon um, was, uh, he actually married, and it says there, verse 5, and Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab. And so then you got Rahab showing up in there, and she's an outcast, an outsider, because she's in the city of Jericho, and God was going to destroy that city. And you see grace shining there in the, in the life of uh, of uh, Rahab the harlot, and, and she becomes a believer, and she, she becomes a part of God's family tree. Isn't it amazing? God brings people that we think there's no way God's going to save that person, and he brings her into this, this beautiful covenant with, with him. And then you have uh, Boaz, who's, you know, you never think about it, but Boaz, his mom, uh, was uh, Rahab. And, and godly Boaz, uh, obviously, uh, was... Uh, married to Ruth, and Ruth was a Moabitess, and Moabitess, they were, they were outside. They, were, they hated God's people, and God's people hated the Moabites. 
and God brings her into the covenant family. And then you get Bathsheba and you're going like, what in the world is God doing here? <laughs> Why does God do this to us? It, it upsets our apple cart a little bit, right? Because we think God only saves people who are, are, are got their lives together. But I believe that if anyone who's a believer understands and really understands you're a Christian, look, I, my life wasn't all together. I may have thought it was all together, but it was only God's grace that brought me into the covenant of grace, that, that opened my eyes to the, to the fact that he loved me so much that he would uh, send his son to die for me. And so, so, you have this, so you have this preliminary kind of introduction to the book of Matthew, and it's really important because anyone claiming to be uh, of the lineage or that would be a claim to the throne of Israel had to had to prove that he was some way descended from David. But there's also a wonderful protection here because there's one name here that was cursed. Remember that last name there in verse 11, and Josiah, the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. Jeconiah was cursed, if, uh, and uh, Jeremiah basically said, there will never be another person from your line that will ever be king. Now, what... God's doing here is he's again showing us his sovereignty because think about it, there was no way that Jesus could ever be the son, the, the physical son of Joseph because if he was, he would be cursed because he was cursed. Uh, in, uh, you could, uh, I won't take time, but Jeremiah twenty two thirty it basically says anyone from his household was cursed. So he had to be, this had to be a supernatural birth just by that fact well, and secondly, it had to be a supernatural birth because the only way that Jesus could die for our sins is for him to be the Son of God. But, but it's interesting. God puts these things in there, and we, they, we jump over them, and they're really, really important. They're things that we say, well, wow, you know, I didn't know that. If, if he had been an actual physical son of Joseph, he would have been under a curse. He, couldn't be a, he could not be a king. He could not claim the throne because that God would not bless that Joseph's actual physical posterity claiming to, to be king to the throne. But, of course, God has other plans, and God was showing his supernatural power here. So, so notice uh, how, how, how this whole introduction here goes in verse 18, and it, it really starts off with a big question mark. Uh, and that is, is that it says that Joseph here is betrothed to Mary. You know, a betrothal was very was like a marriage, and so what would happen is a betrothal was a period of one year when uh, a couple usually it was arranged by the family. Uh, boy, kids wouldn't like this, would they? <laughs> mom and dad, they talk to another mom and dad. Yeah, we think this girl is, uh, you know, the right one. And, and yeah, okay. And yeah, we like this guy. And okay, we're gonna, you guys are gonna, uh, you're gonna, you're gonna get married in a year. And you have this betrothal period, and they don't really get to talk to one another a whole lot even. Now, you're kind of like, man, that's, that's kind of really weird. This is not the American way to do things. Um, and so they, they really have very little physical contact. They, they definitely don't have any sexual contact. And so you're kind of like you're wondering, well, what? In, so, so during this time, this, this betrothal period, uh, Joseph probably is a little older. Uh, he may be in his, you know, late teens or early 20s, uh, she's 13 or 14. 
And you're thinking, man, she's awfully young. But that's the way they did it back then. They were, you know, they got married really young. And uh, <clears throat> so what, what, so he's expecting that the end of this betrothal period, and this betrothal period, by the way, at the end of that period, then the, the, the actual um, groom with his attendants, his best men and all so forth, they would walk to the, uh, the, the, um, his bride-to-be, her home, and, uh, and they would walk there and they would escort her back to his new home. And then they would consummate the marriage at the end of that, uh, at the end of the year. So we don't know wh at what point Joseph finds out about this because it says here, you notice in verse 16, 18, now the birth of Jesus took place in this way when, the, when his mother Mary had been betrothed by Joseph before they came together, she was found out or found to be with child. So apparently he gets the news that she's pregnant. He hadn't seen her. He knows it's not his baby. And what is a guy, what are you, what, what's he thinking? I mean, he's, you know, he's like, okay, wait there. Uh, there's no way that a, a woman can be pregnant without there being some physical sexual contact with, uh, with a man. And he knows it's not him. And you can figure that his whole world is just turned upside down, right? And you, and you, have, to, you have to really think about the kind of man Joseph must have been. I mean, he's obviously is upset. His world's upside down. He's, uh, you know, he's kind of thinking, well, you know, now what do I do? Uh, I'd say he's devastated, wouldn't you? Uh, he's been looking forward to this. Maybe, you know, last time we left Mary, she, was, uh, she spent three months with Elizabeth. So she's three months pregnant. Uh, at what point does Joseph find out the news? Because she's in the hill country with Elizabeth right now. Did, did he hear it from her parents? Did he hear it from... Um, you know, did he, did, I mean, obviously, uh, he's, he's trying to work through the problem because he's, he's trying to decide what he needs to do. Um, but uh, isn't it interesting that, you know, when we read the Christmas story, sometimes we make it so, oh, you know, it's about Jesus coming and, and Christmas gifts and all these things, and we don't see the, tr the trauma in these people, these this couple's life, I mean, they're going through some trauma. Don't you, don't you think that would be a little disturbing on Christmas? You're thinking, what's going on here? Um, I thought I was marrying a godly young woman, and, and she's thinking, you know, I, I was, you know, uh, you know, she's looking forward to the marriage. Um, and so we often think about Christmas and kind of like we want to put, uh, I say it's like we want to put our clinical gloves on, everything kind of cool and you know, and we make everything look glowing and everything. But in reality, this is a guy that's, that's pretty, you know, pretty disturbed, don't you think? <laughs> and, and he might be, he might be a, I'd say there might be a little anger there, right? There might be a little frustration. There might be, I mean, think, Lord, what are you doing in my life? Maybe we would ask that same question. You know, when we, you know, think about when, the coming of Jesus upset a lot of apple carts and any time that we get close to Jesus he upsets your apple cart right he upset my apple cart I mean you know you have your life planned out you're going to do things a certain way and God just turns it all upside down and you go like okay Lord what are you doing you know uh, why what's going on and, and this is kind of where, where Joseph is he's got a double problem number one it says here, notice in verse 19, and her husband Joseph, he's a just man 
and unwilling to put her to shame. So he's got two problems. Number one, he's a righteous and he's a godly man. He knows that this child is not his, and that means that that, that uh, betrothal, that he must divorce his wife, at least, since he's not the father. I mean, that would be expected. It's like she broke it. And in fact, uh, he's cons- so he's got that issue, but he also, he loves Mary enough that he doesn't want to expose her to all, can think about the shunning that she's going to go through and, and her, her friends. Uh, in that society, that would have been looked down on. In fact, if you go back to Deuteronomy, um, the most harsh penalty for being pregnant out of wedlock was death. And you're thinking, okay. So he, he's, he's wanting to protect her reputation, and, but at the same time, he wants to, he's going to go ahead and it says that he considers putting her away quietly. That word there just means he was going to divorce her. Okay, I'm not going to make a big deal, but I'm going to divorce her and we'll move on. That, that's what, from a human standpoint, yeah, that's how he worked out the problem. Now, in his mind, he's ready to, to call it quits. But what happens is then God gets involved. Actually, God was already involved. <laughs> but, but notice that it says, as he's considering these things in verse 20, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Now, now with Mary, it seems like the angel just showed up, right? Remember Gabriel just, you know, I don't know if she was like cleaning the floors or maybe she was, you know, cooking uh, dinner or something. And, you know, poof, there's the angel. But it says that Joseph, it, that, got, that this angel appears in the dream. So... I don't know about you, but I would think that Joseph wasn't sleeping very soundly anyway. Because when I have dreams, I never sleep. So, I mean, you don't, typically you don't sleep soundly when, you, when you're just having dreams. So if, I'm, you know, if I've got a lot of things on my mind, I'll, 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 I don't fall asleep, real deep sleep. Well, he's kind of half asleep, I guess. But during that time, it says that he sees this angel. It says this angel appeared to him in a dream. And saying to Joseph, and know how he, notice how the angel addresses Joseph, Son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So he's, he's at that point where now God shows up in this dream by sending the angel, and He's told that this is going to be a special birth, that God, the Holy Spirit, would be allowing or, or helping her conceive in her womb a baby, and that he would call this baby's name Jesus. And, uh, and then, of course, it tells him what the name Jesus really means, that God would save his people from their sins. But see, the virgin birth is really, you know, we were, somebody, I, I think uh, Leon had just mentioned but you know the, the the church, the churches that have gone away from Scripture always attack what the virgin birth. Everything falls, rises or falls with the virgin birth. It's a supernatural birth. It's the one of only kind. There's no other kind. You know, to to deny the virgin birth is really to be lost, because without the virgin birth, then that means there's no death, there's no cross. There's no blood to sprinkle over God's people. There's no, there's no forgiveness of sins. 
And so the virgin birth is, is necessary because without that virgin birth, then there's no forgiveness of sins because Jesus had to be the Son of God as well in order for, his, for our sins to be forgiven. But that's the very doctrine that's always attacked. It's, and because, because the death of Christ is, assumes that one thing about Jesus is, Jesus is that he is the Son of God, that he is man, holy man and holy God. And that's a hard, and then you say, well, I can't wrap my mind around that. Do you understand the incarnation? I'm sorry, but I don't. <laughs> you know, no, no, I mean, the greatest theologians that have ever written, they come to this and they say, we don't understand it, but one of the things we do is we believe it because we know that God can do anything that God wants to do. And that's exactly what he told Mary. He said, nothing is impossible with God. But it says, he who was in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. So here's Jesus who created the world. It says, and he made himself nothing. Do you realize that Jesus on the throne, the second person of the Trinity, when he came to become a man, he made himself nothing. That's what it meant to become a man. I mean, he's being worshipped in heaven. He's the creator. He created all this stuff, and now he's going to come, and he's going to come into this world, and he's going to become a man. And it's like, I'm going to become nothing. And then being found as a man, it says he humbled himself even from there. And he, what? He humbled himself to the cross and, and, and died as a thief on the cross. Uh, so there's this humiliation of Christ, and so it, it's such a key to understanding the supernatural power and the story of the gospel is that 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 the incarnation and, and that's what makes it wonderful you know christmas sometimes we just get so caught up in gifts and exchanges and lights and all these things and we forget the miracle of god coming to us i mean that that's see it's just you, you know you're kind of, why why does he why would he do this that he so loves the world that he gave his only son. And if people could, you know, when it's not like you can, you can sit there and say, well, you know, I understand it. No, I don't understand it. I can, all I can do is I can just wonder at the fact that it actually that God would do this for, for me and for you. Say so the name Jesus there uh, is the name that says Jesus takes sins of his people. It's the word Joshua in the Old Testament. But the name there is basically, it basically tells you what Jesus came to do. How could Jesus die if he wasn't man? And how could that death benefit me without him being the son of God? Divine nature, human nature together in one person. There's only one person that's ever, that's ever happened to. Jesus, the son of God. And what's amazing about it, he doesn't come with in a chariot of fire. How does he come? And a baby. Now, I don't know about you, but in the Old Testament, what would happen? When God showed up in the Old Testament, remember Abraham, when he showed up to Abraham? It says that he, he showed up as a, as a fiery pot, and he passed between the sacrifices. And it says terror came upon Abraham. <laughs> okay? Okay. So then God shows up to Moses. How does he show up? Burning bush. And then when Moses goes up to receive the law, how does God show up to the earth? It says the mountain was quaking. It was on fire and there's smoke and Moses has to go up and you're going like, buh, 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 buh. I mean, his knees were knocking. <laughs> uh, so, and then all of a sudden, you know, God shows up again, you know, in, uh, in the temple. 
even in the wilderness. And how does he show up? He shows up as, it says, a fire by night and this big cloud during the day. And then even when Moses would go, it says he would go into the, t the tabernacle. It says that when the, that, that God's glory would come down and Moses would come out and his face would be shining like a, like a light bulb. And it says he'd have to put a shade over his face just so that people would not be terrified at looking at Moses. Fading glory. And you're thinking when God comes, he's going to come in such glory, it's just going to overwhelm you. And he comes, well so that we could approach him. And how did he come? As a little baby. Now, I don't know about you, but every time I see a little baby, the first nation, and sometimes I have to strain because moms don't like it, is I want to hold the baby. <laughs> now, the first time I held our, our first baby, I was afraid it was going to drop her. Okay, and that was like, uh, you know, is, is she okay? Will I break her? Or, you know, and Chris is like, no, 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 she's okay. You know, you can hold her, you know. But a baby, you're not afraid of a baby, right? You're just like, man, the little baby is harmless. It just it wants me to hug on it and, oh, you know, and you're just making all this, this gooey faces and you're looking kind of silly at yourself. But see, how does God come? He comes approachable. He comes in a way that we can relate to, that we can touch, that we can, that we can say, hey, I can identify with that. He's one like me. He's one of me, right? That's what Jesus, that's what Jesus is saying. In fact, remember he tells him that he's, his name is to be called Jesus, and then he quotes Isaiah. And what does Isaiah say his name is? Emmanuel, and you're going like, wait there, that's not Jesus. Well, that's exactly what Jesus came to do. To what? Remove the barrier of sin, God's judgment away from us, so that God could come and dwell with us. Isn't that beautiful? And how he does that is he says, Jesus kind of like, pick me up. <laughs> and here's the Son of God. Think about it. The Son of God who created it, who actually could say, you know, let there be light is the one that's in this baby. And, and Mary's holding him. That's miraculous. That's awesome. I mean, it's just, it just blows your mind and you're going like, how? The incarnation, you know, God with us is everything that Christmas should be. And we can, we can miss it so easily. I know that, you know, Christmas should mean to us when we look at Jesus, it should remain at least, it should, I mean, think about it. It's one word, but in English it's translated God with us. <laughs> and that word with there means this, God, when, that, when it uses that preposition that it's uh, in the Bible, it's that when the word was God, and the word was with God. The word there with is the word was face to face with God. Have you known anybody? Uh, I've, I've met a few people that have been famous or written books or something. Um, I remember meeting J.I. Packer. I mean, he was like one of my heroes. I'd like to read everything J.I. Packer, knowing God, and you know, he's written a lot of other stuff. And I, I mean, I thought, oh, man, he's such a godly man. And I remember him. Uh, um, he was uh, speaking at some conference or something, and I went to hear him, and uh, and I and I and I was like I was afraid to go up and pr to talk. In other words, he's just a man. But you know, you know, when you honor, when you like look up to somebody, 
it's almost like, you know, I, I want to I read what they wrote. I want to listen to maybe what they sing. But, you know, I'm a little afraid to talk to them personally, right? Because they're just, I mean, they might ask me a question, and I don't want to be embarrassed. <laughs> but here God is coming. Think about it. The second person of the Trinity is coming face-to-face with who? With us. When we look, when we hear the gospel, it says that we look into the glory, that we, we get in contact with the glory of God in the face of Jesus, 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. And that, that's, to me, that's awesome, isn't it? God with, God face-to-face with my, me. God choosing to want to dwell face-to-face with his people. He's coming near. He's, he's no longer saying, you know, stay away. He's, this is not like, you know, in the temple there was this holy place which only the priests could go. And then there was the holies of holies which only the, the, the high priest could go once a year. But the point of the whole temple and tabernacle sacrifice was this. Be careful. You can't approach God. Because the people always had to be what? Outside. And praying. And even the high priest went in with this big, big cord around his leg. Because if he did something stupid, he got killed. <laughs> and they would drag him out. But they couldn't go in there. They'd drag him out under that curtain. Um, and, and so it was, it was scary. But that's because God was distant. You know, even in the Old Testament, you had, they were saved by grace through faith in the promises of the Messiah. But they were still somewhat distant from God. What Christmas means to us is that God is near. You know, we don't have to go in through, uh, you know, a whole lot of rigmarole. We don't have to go through a lot of ceremony. We don't have to, we, we just have to, we, we look at the baby and we say, that is so cool. <laughs> I mean, that God would become a baby so that we would know not only that we could get near him, but you know what that really is, a picture of God's always wanted to be near us, right? Even in the garden, what was God doing with Adam and Eve? He was walking with them in the garden. And even, and all of the sacrifices were all a part of saying, I want to be near you, and I'm going to come close to you. And when, the, when God became man, guess what? It says now, he says, we can come with confidence to the throne of grace boldly come to the throne of grace because we serve a God who is both merciful, gracious, and who understands us. But the one word that we didn't talk about, and that's us. Who's the us here? God with us. Well, the us, I mean, you can look at it as you read through the Gospels. Who are the us's? The shepherds? (laughs) Joseph is one of the first believers, by the way. Because I know he's a believer by, by given the fact that he does, uh, does this. He, by faith, does exactly what the angel says. Because if you were the father, even if you were the, uh, he's an adopted father of Jesus. He's been assigned that task. But one of the things the father got to do is name the baby. Now, he doesn't name the baby. And if you, your name was Joseph, the first child had to be Junior. Joseph Junior. Just like Zachariah, remember when Zachariah and Elizabeth had the baby? His name needs to be Zachariah. And then Zachariah said, no, 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 his name's John. <laughs> his name's John because he's been assigned that. 
And so Joseph not only does that, it says, notice in verse 24 there, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, he knew her not, in other words, he had no relations with her until she had given birth to a son and called his name Jesus. That's a miracle. That's supernatural. That's, that's powerful. That, that testifies to the fact that Joseph was, I mean, how did Joseph, Joseph is operating on, on just one or two verses from Scripture, right? Isaiah 7, 14, probably remembered Isaiah 9, 6, you know, you shall call him's name, uh, wonderful counselor, uh, mighty God, the everlasting father. Uh, but, this, but it all took place and just, he just got up and obeyed. You're going like, wow, he had to put aside a lot of, I mean, my, my human nature is like when I'm going to be obedient to something, Satan always comes to me with, but what about this? Well, what will people say about that? And Joseph, you know that they're going to be talking about you, that you're really dumb <laughs> to go ahead and do this? And, you know, boy, man, are you going to lose face. You sure can't go hunting with those guys. <laughs> you know, they're going to be making fun of me. Uh, you know, all these things that probably in his mind would have been tr things that Satan would have come at him at with those types of, you know, those types of comments. Uh, but what's beautiful about the, the story is that the us there is really all the, I mean, think about, you know, the lepers Jesus touches. They become whole. The paralytic can walk. Jesus is coming near people. And what's he doing? He's touching people. Why is that? You know, I often thought, well, what? he didn't have to touch them. All he had to say is the word, right? I think the touch is just to say that Jesus wants to come near us. Christmas is about that. You know, and, and, you know, it's a, it's a good time to remind people, you know, this is a time to remember that God wants to be close. And don't allow all the activity to keep us from embracing that. You know, by faith, we, we do that. Uh, and if God's with us, we can't put any limitations on God, right? No matter what. I mean, think about all the things that are going on in your life and my life. Think about all the things that are going on in the world. Is anything impossible with God? Nothing. And what God with us means is that there are no limitations. God, you know, God, God hears the prayers of his people. He may not do what we want him to do, but when we confess, we're confessing that he's, he can do anything. What is he doing in your life, in my life, in my struggles, in my trials, in my walk? You know, I'm often, I often say, well, Lord, you know, I wish, I, wish my, I wish this thing would change in my life. Don't put any limitations on God. Just say, Lord, I'm just trusting you. Nothing's impossible with you. And Christmas for us should be about getting to be with him. And, uh, you know, if uh, people, you know, if you're talking to people during Christmas and you're saying, you know, Christmas is about being with Jesus. And maybe ask the question, well, what's keeping you from him? Jesus has done everything that he could do to get near us. He didn't just come to be the baby in the manger. He came with one, one purpose, and that is to die on the cross. He was not going to allow any obstacle. Sin, no matter how big and how great and how ugly and how dis destructive and how it destroys relationships, none of that was going to hinder God from getting to us. And that's why he came. No obstacle for him to come to be our Savior you know, when, when I look at the Christmas trees, there's three here. Wait there, I look around. Sometimes there's some on the back. Uh, 
But that tree is not just a Christmas tree with lights. It's the light of the world on that Christmas tree, right? But that tree is, represents another tree, right? That tree, the cross that Jesus died on. And all that Christmas tree saying to me, I want to be near you. And at whatever sacrifice I must make, how do we know love? Because God first loved us. And that's what the Christmas tree is all about. You know, if you're talking to people and they're saying, well, it just seems, it just seems supernatural for a virgin to, be, to have a child. And you say it is. <laughs> That's the whole point. Christmas is supernatural. Uh, one of the things I really, uh, I'd like to see again, I, I, um, uh, one, of the, one of the churches we went to, every year they had a Jesus walk. And this would be a, a great idea. <laughs> uh, I wish I were 10, 20 years younger. Um, but uh, in that Jesus walk, what, you, what they did is you would go outside. And the church would invite people to community. It was a community event. And they had it for 20, 30 years. But anyway, you'd go outside and you'd walk to this first booth. And there was, there was a prophet. And he was prophesying from Isaiah you know, 7. Or, and then you'd go to another booth. And there's Micah. You know, and he shall be born in Bethlehem. And then there would be another prophet, and he would be talking about Jesus in some, you know, one of the, the prophecies. And you'd go around, uh, and then you'd come to the, you would come to the barn where Jesus is born. And you'd see the sheep. And actually, they did have live sheep, which is kind of cool. Um, and uh, you had Joseph and Mary, and you had the wise men coming. They're walking towards it. And then you come to the end, and there was a Christian family reading the Christmas story to their children, and sharing what it means to be saved. What a powerful testimony. We say, well, you know, that's, you know, that's no big deal. But you know, how many people don't even know what Christmas is about? Yeah, there's, I mean, they, they have no, the foggiest idea that what Christmas is all about and what does the world try to do, shove it under the door. Don't say Christmas. I can't say Merry Christmas. Merry, happy, ha happy holidays. No, Merry Christmas, right? Because that's what it's all about. It's about him. Draw near to him, and he'll draw near to you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, and uh, it's a blessing to us. And, Father, as we celebrate Christmas, when we remember what, it's, what the, the season is all about, it's about you, that you wanted to come near, and you did that through your son, Jesus. We give you thanks, Father, for that, and we ask that our hearts would never... Father, that we would never start basking in the glory of that message, a message of hope, a message of love, a message of forgiveness. And for this, we give you thanks in Jesus' name.